Good morning. How are we? Good. Happy Labor Day uh, weekend to all of you. My name's R.D., and I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it's good, great to uh, be with you and uh, just kind of in a sense, end the summer because we're ending our summer series in Proverbs. And uh, next week we'll have our 50th celebration. Mark will be kind of preaching on where we've been, where we're going. It's just going to be awesome. Jubilee next Friday night at 6 p.m., which will also be great. And then the week after that, uh, I'm going to start our 1 Corinthians series. And so we'll be in 1 Corinthians all fall up until uh, Christmas. And it's just going to be, it's going to be so awesome. Because if you think that things are crazy in the world now, then you should read the book of 1 Corinthians, because Corinth was a lot crazier than Madison. And we're going to just see how does the gospel affect all of life. And so it's going to be really, 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 really great. But before we get to next week or that week, we have this week. And we're in the book of Proverbs. And we're finishing the book of Proverbs, um, or the message series in Proverbs, with a talk on friendship. (laughs) Will you be my friend? (laughs) Anyone? Okay, I'm not kidding, but thank you. Yes. Um, and when I, when I was looking, we had the, the topics and friendship, I'll just be honest with you. It's like, I'm not, I don't get that excited about it, right? Do we get that excited about friendship? I was like, yeah, great. I mean, I remember the friendship talk I got in third grade and sixth grade, eighth grade, 11th grade. I remember those for like, and have good, have good friends, have wise friends. Let's pray and go home, right? Is there a lot of depth in it? And I actually think that there is. There's so much God has for us to say with friendship. In fact, this is one of the big ideas, is you cannot become all God wants you to become without friends. It's impossible, right? Your marriage is not sufficient to develop you into the person God wants you to be. And we're going to look at why that is, why friends are so vital and necessary, and how we can make friendship central again. So the three points of the message, and I, I, I can't promise this, but, but maybe by the end of the message that all of you will have a thousand more Facebook friends. Maybe. You can leave here. All of you can then be friends with each other on Facebook, right? No, we want to go a lot deeper than that, okay? Last thing we need is more Facebook friends. We need more real friends. And so the three points of the message are going to talk about that. Number one, the importance of friendship. Number two, the marks of true friendship. And number three, the power for friendship. So the importance of friendship, the marks of true friendship, the power for friendship. Number one, the importance of friendship. Kevin DeYoung says that friendship is the most important, least talked about relationship in the church. I think that's true. I don't ever remember hearing a message my whole life on friendship, actually. And yet, how important are friends? And how, how important do you feel like friendship is in our culture? I would say, actually, it's not that important. What are the two most important relationships in our culture right now that our Western culture elevates above all things? The first relationship is the relationship with yourself as the individual. I'm the captain of my ship, and no one can tell me how to live my life because I know what's best. (laughs) Foolishness. But that's it. We elevate that. There's songs about that. Every other movie's about that, right? Just let me be me. Pursue that with or without anybody else. And the other relationship that's elevated above all other things is romantic love, right? I can love who I want to love. We can do what we want to do. And if anyone tells me anything besides that, then you are wrong. You are a bigot. You are evil. Because how I feel and how I love, that is ultimate. And so what their movie's about that is every other song about that. How many friendship songs do you know? (laughs) 
Besides Michael W. Smith's friends are friends forever, right? <laughs> if the Lord's the Lord of, yeah, you, yeah, you could sing it. <laughs> now, there are not many though. Why? Because friendship's not really sexy. It's not. Me being me is sexy. Romantic love, that, that's got some sizzle to it. But friendship's just kind of this really like, uh, and yet we all have friends. But if you're like me, you probably haven't spent much time actually thinking about it, except maybe sometimes to be thankful. And so our culture doesn't really value friends, and it, and it, it shows. In 1984, most people had three close friends. In 2005, just 20 years later, most people had two close friends. And in those 21 years, the number of people without even one close friend jumped three times. And continues to rise every year. And the number of people with close friends continues to decrease. Now below two. And is it any wonder in a culture that values superficial friendships and companionship, right? And fellowship that we have so few people who actually know us, right? We have a thousand Facebook friends, but we have basically no one who actually knows who we are. And the life that we live on social media, or even the life that sometimes we invite people over to in our home, is not the life that we're actually living because we don't really want to open up. We don't want people to know what we're really walking through because if they really knew, then they wouldn't be our friend. And it's a lot easier to pretend that this is my life than what my life really is. And our culture doesn't value it. And sometimes the church doesn't value it as well. And we elevate marriage as the end-all, be-all of everything, right? The end of the, uh, the yellow brick road is marriage, <laughs> In the church, and yet that's so not true because you don't have to be married to be a Christian. You can be just as complete and full as a single person than as a married person. But when we elevate marriage and we look at single people it's like there's something wrong with them, why aren't you married? Then we just begin to devalue friendship. And we basically say it's actually not that important. It's important for kids, right? Definitely important for teenagers to have the right friends. But as we get older, it just seems like. Not that important. Now, friendship, it, it's the most unique relationship available because it's completely voluntary. You completely choose your friends, right? I mean, it, it, you're born into your family. There's no choice, right? You don't sh- get out of the womb, show up on the, the hospital room and be like, yeah, I'll take you, mom and dad, right? The, the baby has no choice. You are in the family for life. And yes, hopefully you love your family. Your family's amazing, but you didn't choose your family, and the same with a marriage. In a sense, of course, you enter into it voluntarily, but then you sign your life away, right? You, you sign on the dotted line. And you can leave the marriage, and that's tragic, but you can't just walk out the door one day and say, I'm gone. You have to take many, many steps to actually dissolve a marriage. Why? Because there are legal commitments to it. But in friendship, what doesn't happen is this. Like, you know, I'm hanging out with my friend Dave for a couple years, and I go, hey, um, Dave, man. Bro, that's how guys talk. Bro, dude, um, very elevated English. We've been hanging out for a couple of years now. It's, I think it's time that we sign something. To, will you be my friend? Right? Can we have a covenant friendship? Can we, we be, right? No one does that beyond like third grade. Why? Because friendship just happens. It's organic. It's natural. And how does it happen? It doesn't happen when you're going around looking for friends. It happens when you're going somewhere and someone comes alongside you and says, I want to go to that place too. Real friendship happens when your friendship is about something more than just you two, you three. It's about something higher. C.S. Lewis says that friendship is born at the moment one person says to the other, you two? And I thought I was the only one. 
And then you walk through life with this person. It's the most beautiful relationship because it's so voluntary. It's so profound, right? C.S. Lewis in his book, The Four Loves, talks about friendship. He says that the very condition of having friends is that we should want something else besides friends. Friendship must be about something. Those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. Without friends, we cannot become all that God has created us to be. We are hardwired for friendship. Why? Because at the center of the entire cosmos, at the center of the entire universe, is an eternal friendship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. That is the essence of what a friendship is. And maybe you've not thought about the Trinity that way, but I assure you that's what it is. Right? And you may be thinking, well, that seems like kind of a shallow way to talk about the Trinity. It's so much more than a friendship. Well, that's because we have such a shallow definition of friendship. But true friendship is self-giving. It's honoring. It's loving. And that's the Trinity. And so friendship created the universe. Right? God created the universe as a friendship. And so then he creates Adam. He puts him in the garden. It's Adam and God. You think that would be gravy, Right? Right? He's just walking with the Lord. He's having a Bible study all the time. Like, what's the big deal? And yet, what does God say in Genesis 2.18 to Adam? God says, it is not good for man to be alone. Well, wait, I thought I'm not alone because I have God, right? <laughs> God's all that I need. So who, I don't need anybody else. And yet God, God says, I'm, I'm not saying I'm saying it. God says it's not good for man to be alone. I will find a helper suitable for him. And so here comes Eve. And yet it, marriage is so vitally important, but it's not just marriage. It's that you and I are created by a relational God to have relationships with other people, both in marriage and in real, lasting, deep friendships. Because we cannot get to the place where God wants us to go without people in our life. Right? Lone rangers are not anything to celebrate in the scripture. We're always doing life together. And so God wired us and made us for friendship. We all need it. Right? All of us, parents need it. Old people need it. Young people need it. Rich people need it. Poor people need it. Right? There's not a group of people where you can say, you don't need friends. <laughs> but especially for people that, that, that aren't married, you know, there's such a, a deep need for the church to be a place that welcomes people, single people, people with same-sex attraction, that this could be a place where they have friends, like real friends, not just see you on Sunday friends, right? Wesley Hill is an author and someone who has um, same-sex attraction, but is someone who says, I'm not going to act on my feelings because how I understand the Bible and how I believe what God says, I don't think that, that honors the Lord. And yet that's how I'm attracted. And so he writes, he's, he's written a book called Spiritual Friendship. And he talks about the moment when he realized that his Christianity had to trump his sexuality. And he realized that that meant that he might be alone his whole life. I'm going to read what he wrote in that moment. And I think it's not just someone with same-sex attraction who feels this, but a lot of us who wonder about, is there a place where our love can actually land? Is there a person that we can actually love beyond a spouse, whether we're married or not? And he writes about his fear of where he could finally find love. He writes this. What I feared most about my decision to remain celibate was that I had thereby doomed myself to lifelong loneliness. When I was still in high school, despite being gay, I often daydreamed about what it would be like to be married, to have a house and children, to have a home of the sort I grew up 
with. To know that I belong somewhere, anywhere, actually. Now, in light of where I felt my Christian faith taking me, I stopped dreaming about those things. In their place, I began to have a recurrent picture of myself around age 60, coming home to an empty apartment, having lived all of my adulthood as a single man. I started to think about the particulars of that scenario, not knowing each year where I would spend Christmas, waking up each morning to a quiet bedroom and having no one across the table from me as I ate my cereal before heading off to work, coming home at the, at the end of the day and reading a book with no one to talk to about it, of having no one knowing if my plane lands on time, of having no one to call if I lock myself out of my house, of having a life filled with loneliness. My primary question over time became a question about love. Where was I to find love? And where was I to give love? Hill answers his own question this way. I found that there is actually a place for love. And it is called friendship. See, marriage is important. But it can't be that important because it doesn't last forever. Right? No marriage lasts into eternity. But you know what does last into eternity? Friendship. And so what I want us to do is to actually elevate friendship to such a place where as a church we could be people who say we value friendship. It's, it's, like, it's like first grade as that sounds. Because without friendship we will suffer and we will die. And without it we can't become who God wants us to be. As the church, we should be championing friendship as a way to do your life. Married, single, it doesn't matter. Friendship is so important. So, good, it's important. Great. What, what else? Um, well, secondly, how, I, I want us to not just know what's important, but to know how we can have friendships that actually matter, that actually are true, that are fulfilling, that are actually biblical. Right, And that's hard in our culture. But how can we have friendships that are actually um, ones that change us? And so um, the, the second point is the marks of true friendship. And um, I, I have four points here, not to confuse you. There are three main points. There are four points within point number two. And you'll be happy to know that all of these points begin with the letter T. I worked very hard on this. Actually, way too hard. <laughs> like, I just, it's actually probably sad. But I tried really hard because it helps me remember. It helps me remember. Maybe there's one of you it helps, and so, happy Labor Day. But if not, then they're still, I think, important. Proverbs is going to give us gospel wisdom about how to forge biblical friendships. Because you can't look up in your concordance, hey, I want, should I be friends with Steve? What does that look like? Okay, let me look up Steve's name in the back of the Bible. Oh, wait, Steve's name's not there. How am I supposed to be friends with him? There's not a verse. Enter the book of Proverbs. <laughs> Where the gray areas of life, the wisdom of God empowers us to make decisions, especially about friendship. And so the four points are this. The marks of true biblical friendship are transparency, time, truth, and transformation. Transparency, time, truth, and transformation. Numero uno. Transparency. There is no true friendship without transparency, right? There is no friendship that can be built if we are not transparent with one another. Now, that doesn't mean that you're fully transparent with everyone in your life and that you're metaphorically naked with everyone, right? Not everyone has to know everything about you, but there should be some people in your life 
that do know everything about you, that you're transparent with, right? That you actually say, I want you to know me. And yet that can be so hard because maybe one time we tried to be transparent and we got hurt, right? We got, we got you know, emotionally, right, devastated because we, we reached out and then we just got slapped back. And so I, I don't want to reach out to anyone. I don't want to be vulnerable because that is too difficult to put myself out there. And if someone really knew what was going on in my heart, if they really knew how wicked I was, then they would run the other way. And you know what? In fact, sometimes actually in church, it actually gets a lot worse because we look around at everyone here and we think, no one's, everyone's here at church just looks so pretty. They look like everything going well for them. They don't have stuff going on in their life like I do. Let me just encourage you. No one in this room has their life together. (laughs) Especially me. I learned that a lot this week. No one here is okay. All of us are broken vessels that Jesus is putting back together by the spirit with other people who love us. And so if we're not being transparent, we have no future. Proverbs is strong on this. The Bible is strong on this. Proverbs 10.9 says this, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. The path of integrity, the path of transparency, the path of honesty is not one that's going to be easy, but it's one that's secure, where God is with you. Because here's the deal. You cannot be transparent and you can hide what's going on in your heart, but it'll always come to light. You will always be exposed. Good friends just help that exposure happen earlier on. Because, guys, it's better to be exposed today than to be exposed on that day. But everything dark will come to light. And if you have friends that you trust, you can say, here's the dark parts of my heart. Would you share yours too? Man, talk about growth. Talk about just connection that happens so instantly. Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. If you conceal your sin, you won't prosper, though it's easier to conceal. It's easier to hide, like Adam and Eve do in the garden. They hide from God. They put on fig leaves. They run away from the only one who can actually help them because they're scared, even though God already knows everything about them, right? You to God, you're already fully transparent to God. He knows everything about you, and he still loves you, which means that you can be fully transparent towards him. Now, look. I know in a room this size, at a church this size, there are, because I've been there myself, there are many of us in the room right now who are walking around in secret sin. And no one knows about it. Not our spouse, not our friends. No one knows about it. I know, I know there are. And I'm not saying stand up right now and tell us what that is. I'm just saying that, hey, um, I pray God is merciful enough to make you tired enough to stop. Because secret sin will kill you. It'll kill you. And guess what? It'll always be exposed. And so we want this church um, to be a place where you can say, you know what? I'm broken. You're broken. So let's talk about that together. Right? In in, in truly transparent relationships is completely equal. You can't have a light group or a small group where where, one person shares their prayer request and the other person just writes it down. Then you pray. Right? I, I want to do that in my life group. It's like, guys, tell me about your junk. Great, let's pray. <laughs> hey, wait, RD, wait, wait, you didn't actually share. Oh, yeah, next week. I'll get to it next week. Just everything's great, please, right? But it's just easier that way. But that's not a healthy relationship if it's not equal. If you are concealing your sin, if you're walking in darkness, one, I know you're miserable. I know you're depressed. I know you're not happy. Secondly, it's going to come to light. 
And so I just pray God would be kind enough that it would come to light now. That you could be changed, you could be transformed. And that you would have friends around you who would be honest, and you could be honest with too. Now I know for guys this can be difficult. Now for women I know it can be difficult too. Right? It can be difficult for all of us, but I'm just speaking as a man, so out of my own experience, that for guys, we, we, it's tough to go deep, right? We're not going to go have coffee together and just talk about our marriage. This doesn't happen. Not usually. We could work on a car and talk about marriage, you know. But, you know, life, I mean, just somebody in my life has just, it could be just blowing up right now. And I, I'm so, I so want to talk about it, but I just get nervous. And I'm like, hey, man, tell me about... What you thought about the college football game last night? Yeah, yeah, good, good. Great question, R.D., really deep, really helpful. Like, but it was a lot easier because I didn't want to go there. And because of that, my friendship suffered. And so I just want to encourage us. I'm not saying this is easy. I'm not saying you go out there and just be transparent with everyone in your life. I'm saying it takes courage. But Jesus Christ can give you that courage to be transparent with people. And that is the beginning of a true friendship. No more hiding. Everything in the light. Your junk, my junk, guess what? Awesome. C.S. Lewis says, Eros, erotic love, will have naked bodies. Friendship, naked personalities. So how transparent are you? How many people do you let all the way, all the way in? Like all the way in. At least it has to be a couple people besides your spouse. If If you're married. Not to hold a sermon, but we don't, we don't have the time. So number two, time, 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 time. Quantity and quality of time enriches a friendship. You do not become true friends with someone over a weekend. You become friends with someone over a long period of time, years and years and years. And some, for some of us, our best friends are our longest friends. They're the ones who are still there. And we're like, why are you still here? Because I love you, Right? But most of our friendships are about leverage, right? And most people that are friends with you are because you have leverage in their life. Because what happens when you move to a different life stage or you move to a different city or something happens, they're no longer friends with you. Not that you maybe didn't have some type of friendship, but that they really were friends with you because of the access you gave them to X, Y, or Z. They didn't love you for you. They loved you for the leverage you gave them to whatever it is that you're involved with. True friendships stick even when you move zip codes, even when you change life stages. And yet, in our increasingly mobile society, I wonder why people have fewer friends with how much we move, how much things change, how non-open we are. Time, time, time. It takes, there's just no secret sauce to it. Proverbs 18.24 says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Right? Someone who's with you, who's close to you, who sticks with you through thick and thin. That happens over time. Because once every couple of years, your life blows up. And guess what? You want someone who's been there for you in the past. Or you've been there for them. And that takes investing our time. And it's hard. But it's something that we've got, God, we've got to do, guys. J.R.O. Tolkien's great story of friendship, The Lord of the Rings. Did you know that was about friendship? It is, actually. The book especially is about friendship. You know Sam and Frodo, the hobbits? The cute little hobbits, Right? I don't know what size they are, but they're hobbits, and they're on an epic journey. And Sam says to Frodo about their friendship, he says this to him before they begin their journey. It's from um, the Fellowship of the Ring. Sam says, Frodo, you can trust us to stick to you through thick and thin, to the bitter end. 
And you can trust us to keep any secret of yours closer than you keep it yourself. But you cannot trust us to let you face trouble alone. Oh, go off without a word. We are your friends, Frodo. Anyway, there it is. We know most of what Gandalf told you. We know a good deal about the ring. We are horribly afraid. But we are coming with you or following you like hounds. Right? Real friends are there through thick and thin to the bitter end. Maybe you're not on a journey, right, like the Lord of the Rings. But all of us are on a journey, and the true friends say, I'm going to stick with you. I'm going to be on you like a hound because I love you because I love you. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born of adversity. How many of you really found out who your true friends were when your life fell apart? Or when you had to make that call? Who, who do you call? Who do you call when your life falls apart? Do you have a friend like that? Would someone call you when their life fell apart? Right? Friendship is born over, over time. In the, uh, the book, Same Kind of Different as Me. Anybody read the book, Same Kind of Different as Me? It's a great, it's a great book. Um, it's a friendship between Ron Hall, who's an art dealer, and Denver Moore, who's a homeless man. So people that you wouldn't think are naturally friends. But because of Jesus, they become friends because they share a common horizon. And in the book, Ron Hall talks about a conversation he had. So Ron Hall is white and Denver Moore is black. And they have this conversation while they're out fishing. Because that's how men have these conversations, right? When we're out doing something together. And so the conversation goes like this. It's got some interesting language, but it's in the book. So just roll with it, okay? Denver Moore starts the conversation. He says this. He says, I heard that when white folks go fishing, they do something called catch and release. Catch and release? I nodded solemnly, Ron Hall. Suddenly, I'm nervous and curious at the very same time. That really bothers me, Denver went on. I just can't figure it out because when colored folks go fishing, we are really proud of what we catch and we take it and show it off to everybody that'll look. Then we eat what we have. In other words, we use it to sustain us. So it really bothers me that white folks would go to all the trouble to catch a fish and when they're done looking at it, just throw it back in the water. He paused again and the silence between us stretched a full minute. Then he said, did you hear what I said? I nodded, afraid to speak, afraid to offend. Denver looked away, searching the blue autumn sky, then locked onto me again with that drill-bit stare. So, Mr. Ron, it occurred to me, if you was fishing for a friend you're just going to catch and release, then I ain't got no desire to be your friend. I returned Denver's gaze with what I hoped was a receptive expression and hung on. Suddenly his eyes gentled and he spoke more softly than before. But if you is looking for a real friend, a true friend, then I'll be one forever. It takes time. It's not a catch and release friendship. It's not when you're useful to me, I'm done with you. It's I'm with you and it no longer makes sense. And that's forged over time through thick and thin, through the fire, guys. Thirdly, biblical friendships are about truth. They're always about truth. Because a true friend will not lie to you. They'll always speak the truth to you. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-three says this, Whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain favor rather than one who has a flattering tongue. Right? We, we need to rebuke others and we also need to be rebukable. Right? We don't need friends who tell us what we want to hear. We need friends who tell us what we need to hear. That's what a true friend does. And yet a true friend will tell you the hard truth and do it with tears in their eyes sometimes because they care about you so much. A true friend will not just call you out on something and do it and say, yeah, I called you out, we're even. 
That's not a true friend. A true friend says, is there any other way we could go about this than having to tell you this really hard truth about your life? And at some point you just say, I've got to confront you because I love you, not because I hate you. And you move towards the person because guess what? All of us have blind spots and you cannot change what you cannot see. And so we need people to say, hey, man, you're missing the mark here. And I hate to tell you this, but I have to tell you this because you're my friend. I love you enough to tell you the truth. And you may reject that, and they may kick you out of your house, but you have a responsibility to tell your friends the truth as you see it. Their response is on them. But it's always good to do it out of so much care and concern. It's always better. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 say, Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Even, ki- even hard words from a friend will be a wound, but the friend stays to help put on the bandage, right? You don't roll over to somebody's house and say, you're totally messing up your marriage. All right, I'm out of here. No, you say, hey, I-, I see some blind spots in your heart right now. I know I've got some, so you can tell me those. I'm going to tell you these, and we're going to stay until we figure this out right now. Now, that, that, that's a good friend. That's a true friend. Tim Keller says that you need to give your friends hunting, hunting licenses into your heart. You have access to go into the dark places. Get a gun. Let's go kill stuff. <laughs> right? Are there people in your life that you give the card to? You give the key to? You said, not to everyone, guys. Don't walk out of here saying, I've got to be friends with it. No. There's got to be some people in your life that you say you have access. We, you've earned trust and you have access. Call it out. You have a license. Let's go hunting. Because I want to be changed, right? I want to be different. And do you have a friend like that? Are you a friend like that? Maybe you don't use that exact language, but you, you know what I'm saying, right? Access, real access. It's so important. Fourthly, transformation, transparency, time, truth, transformation. And guys, here's what separates a gospel friendship or a biblical friendship from every other friendship. Because we're all friends with non-Christians, right? And yes, and awesome. If you're not friends with non-Christians, then you're not following Jesus, right? So we want to be friends with all kinds of people, but you also need to have friends that are on your same page spiritually. And what separates those friendships from other friendships is not that you're better than other people, is that where you're headed together, where are we headed together? And the point of a biblical friendship is that this person and myself are, are in a relationship and we're trying to help each other become more like Jesus Christ. Right? That's the goal. That's the point. That's the horizon. That's the mountain that we are walking side by side and helping each other by the power of the Spirit, like iron sharpens iron, to become more like the person of Jesus Christ. Now, that's a different kind of friendship, right? Right? That's a friendship that's not just about the present, it's about the future. See, biblical friendship says, I see you now, and I see who God has called you to be, and I want to help you become your future version of yourself. And it's going to be hard. And guess what? You can do the same for me. We want to transform each other into the person of Jesus. All right? Like I said, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Because naturally, we grow dull. Just like knives that aren't used, that aren't sharpened, we grow dull. And we need people in our life who are sharpening us all the time. Gordon MacDonald writes, There is a certain niceness to a friendship where I can be, as they say myself. But what I really need are relationships in which I will be encouraged to become better than myself. Myself myself needs to grow a little each day. 
I don't want to be the myself I was yesterday. I want to be the myself that is developing each day to be a more Christ-like person. Friends help each other become more like Jesus. They do. That's what friends do, which means that you have to actually know Jesus <laughs> to become like him. How does this happen? So there's some of you who may be like me where I was when I was finished kind of at this point in the message, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I don't think I do any of those four things well. <laughs> I'm a terrible friend, <laughs> right? And there may be some of you who are thinking, one, I don't have a friend like that. I've, I've never had a friend like that. How can I be a friend like that? I've tried some of these things, and I've just been shot down because the world can be cold, and even people in the church can be mean to each other. Like, even if there's part of me that wants to do that, how can that actually happen? How do I not walk out of here feeling guilty about what a terrible friend I am? Here's how. Point number three, the power for friendship. How can we be friends that are transparent, that are truth-filled, that spend enormous amounts of time with each other, and that are about each other's transformation? How can we do that? Here's how. <laughs> not by looking inside of ourselves and saying, I want to be a friend like that. I can, just let me just be more transparent. Today I'm focusing on transparency. No, because then you're focused on yourself. No, the power for forging and sustaining real friendships comes from friendship with Jesus Christ, the friend of sinners. That's where the power comes from. That's where the motivation comes from. Because guess what? Jesus Christ was the truly and fully transparent one. He was naked in every way, both on a cross when he died for all of our sins, and he was vulnerable, and he was honest. How vulnerable was Jesus Christ? People betrayed him. One of his best friends betrayed him, right? Have you ever been betrayed by a friend? How much does that hurt? And yet he kept pursuing. He kept loving all of you, me included. We have betrayed Jesus Christ. We have said, we don't want to be your friend, and yet he keeps moving towards us. And so when we don't want to be transparent, when we've been hurt by someone else, Jesus Christ says, I know how you feel, and yet keep going. Because if you're looking to yourself and you're saying, I can't do it again, you're right, you can. But Jesus Christ can. If you look to him, he is the power source to help you actually be transparent because he knows what it's like. He knows what it's like to be naked, to be vulnerable, and to have everyone walk away from him. And he kept pursuing. Jesus Christ is the one who has spent so much time with you. How much time has God spent with you? God thought you up you did not exist until God thought you up. You did not come into creation out of yourself. It was not in the beginning, R.D. In the beginning, R.D. made him. In the beginning, God. God dreamed you up. He thought you up, right? Every single part of your personality, your life, your height, where you live, how you're wired, introvert, extrovert, right? However you fall on all of the personality. He thought of all of it. He has invested every single second of your life. God has invested in it. And now through Jesus Christ, we have access to God anytime we want. We don't have to go to a building. We don't have to go to a wall. We don't have to go to a temple. We can pray to God right now, and he hears us. The God of the universe hears us. Why? Because Jesus Christ made us friends with God. He put the time in. And now he says, you can put the time in. If the God of the universe makes time for you, then we can make time for our friends. Jesus Christ is the one who has never, ever, ever lied to you. He's always spoken the truth. And he doesn't speak the truth just to say, I'm a true speaker. <laughs> he speaks the truth to heal your heart, to knit up your heart, to change you, 
to transform you. Jesus Christ is truth itself. Truth is not a set of ideas. It's a person, and his name is Jesus. And his truth will set you free. It will bring you out of hiding. It will lead you on the road to redemption. That's the truth he's always speaking over your life, who you are in Christ, what your purpose in life is, right? What your value is, what your meaning is. Because if you're looking towards to other things for that, you will always be miserable, and you won't have friends, or you won't have real friends. And yet, if we look to the truth of the gospel, we see who we are, and we see the power for the kind of friends we can be. All right, Jesus Christ, his whole purpose is to transform you, to be like him. That's the whole purpose. Everything he's doing is to change you and change you and change you, that you would be more like him because that's where real joy is. And in the end, guys, it's not about our work, it's about his work and what he's done to make us his friends. We don't make ourselves friends with God. God makes himself friends with us. How does that happen? John 15, 12 through 15. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I learned from my father. I have made known to you, fully transparent. Everything God told me, I told you. I've always spoken the truth to you. I've spent three years walking with you. Even though one of you is about to betray me, I still love you. I still call you friends. That's how we can have security. God has made himself our friend. He has. So those last couple of things here, just, I know like, if you're like me, you like a couple of practical nuggets beyond kind of the massively big topics of transparency and truth. And like, that sounds overwhelming and a little bit it is, it takes time, but maybe before you get there, you can do a few of these things um, that maybe this week, this month, I don't know. Uh, number one, pick up a phone, call someone, <laughs> right? I, 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 you know, I'm working on this message this week and I, the Holy spirit was just like, you need to call your friend. You need to call your friend, Dave. Because he's one of your best friends. You haven't talked to him in eight months. And you keep saying it's going to happen next week. But what does next week mean? It means never week. <laughs> it means it doesn't happen. And so I called and I said, Dave, man, you're one of my best friends. I haven't talked to you in over six months. I'm sorry. I'm not being a good friend. And he said, I'm sorry too. We should talk. We should talk more. I picked up a phone. We had a great conversation. I wanted to be a friend my whole life. And I've got to put the time in. I've got to invest in. Open up your home for a meal with friends right? People that you know, bring them over, right? And maybe you leave the meal and you're like, we really don't like those people, (laughs) right? But you still had a meal, so it's okay, (laughs) right? Not everyone has to be your best friend. Even Jesus had a smaller circle of people, but we should be friends with people very different from us because otherwise the gospel is not glorified. If every one of your friends is just like you, you're not following Jesus. We have so much more in common as Christians than we have that separates us. Serve in the church, serve outside the church with a group of people different from you, right? Serve with teenagers. If you're not one, you're like, I, have, I, don't, I can't relate to teenagers at all. Yes, you can, because one, you were a teenager. So you have that going for you. And secondly, you know Jesus. And we could use your wisdom and your help in student ministry, right? And if you're someone younger, maybe you could serve with senior adults and get outside your comfort zone and meet people different from you and find actually we have so much in common. Get outside the walls of just what are natural and see what God does. And lastly, um, we say this a lot, but join a life group or go deeper with, go deeper with your own life group. I know some of you are not in one and I, know, I just know some of you are never going to be in one. 
doesn't matter how many announcements we run. It doesn't matter what we say. This is not going to happen. And I want to say that's fine. It's just not an excuse not to do life with other people who love Jesus. Right? It is a command of the Lord to be in community with people. And to not be in it is to be in complete disobedience. And so maybe it's not a life group at Door Creek. I think that's a great way. But guys, we've got to be together. We've got to be in this together. Life is so hard. We've got to be in it together. When my wife and I started our life group uh, two and a half years ago, um, it was started based on basically, um, you know, couples that I had performed their marriages. And I just said, you want to be in our small group? <laughs> That's kind of how I've recruited my small group. And so now we have like five couples in there. So that, if you don't have that access, still, there are ways to get a small group, right? You can just sign up for one. And so we've got five young couples in our, in our group, right? And so Emily and I are so excited. We're like, this is going to be amazing. We're going to change the world, right? We're going to have parties together, watch football together, study the Bible together, have chips and salsa, because that's like what you do in all the small group videos, right? We're eating together. Like, this is going to be awesome. And for the first few months, it was awesome. I'm like, this is great. We're growing. People are becoming Christians in our group. And it's just like, it's, it's basically pretty easy, actually. It's actually pretty easy after the first couple months of it being awkward <laughs> when you're basically judging each other, right? And you are. We all are, right? But you finally push past it. You're like, actually, I think I like you. And then it becomes a lot of fun. It's, it's kind of lighthearted. And then, and then stuff begins to happen, right? And someone, someone in your group has a miscarriage. Or someone's parent passes away. Or someone's marriage basically blows up. Or someone loses their job. And all of those things have happened in our small group. And I remember just walking through that. We're walking through some of that stuff right now. I remember looking at my wife in, uh, in bed and just thinking, babe, man, this is a lot harder than I thought. I thought we were just going to kind of do a Bible study, basically. And she was like, no, we want to actually try and do life with people. And so when stuff goes down in their life, we're there for them, and we bear their burdens, and we can't sleep because we're so just saddened by what's going on, and we want to pray for them. We want to bring food for them. Why? Because they're our friends, and it's really hard. But guess what? It's worth it. And without them, I don't know where I'd be right now in my life because we're all headed the same place together to become more like Jesus, and we'll sacrifice anything for each other. See, that's the whole point, because you have someone right next to you, one person, two person, three person, and you're walking along a path towards the new heaven and the new earth. And as you, if you walk long enough, guess who you come upon? Jesus Christ, the friend of sinners. And he says, well done, my friend. Come home. That's where we're headed. That's where we're headed, guys. So it'd be friends like that. Let's pray. Father, Father, if anyone's like me, they're overwhelmed by all of this. And yet only by friendship with you can we possibly be friends like this. And so, Father, forgive us, forgive me for the ways that I've fallen short, the calls I haven't made, the times I haven't wanted to answer the phone, the times I haven't wanted to show up, that I haven't wanted to help. Some, just, Father, forgive me, forgive us. Help us be the friends that we need to be. Because many of us are dying without people that know us. Father, for anyone walking in secret sin, I pray that it would just be exposed, that they could come back to you. And Father, for all of us, that as a church, we could so value friendship that everyone that walks in could say, I have a place for my love to land. I have a place to find love. And it's these crazy bunch of people here. 
who, lo- who know me and love me. Just like you do, God. Fully known, fully loved. Friends forever. In the name of your son, who laid down his life to make us friends. Father, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.